you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Sarah, a functional nutritionist who deals primarily with women's health and gut health. Sarah and I had a great conversation on a wide range of topics today, not only on nutrition, but everything that surrounds wellness of a person, including stress, sleep, overtraining, undereating, and so much more. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well, Brianne. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I stalked you on social media and loved what you're t- you are talking about. So I'm excited to get you on here and just dive into kind of what you do and um, talk all things wellness and nutrition. But first and foremost, who are you? Um, I am a functional nutritionist. I I have an interest in women's health and gut health, especially for active females, um, just kind of stuff that I've been through myself um, and just kind of want to pay it forward to to other active females. Um, so yeah, I do that. And I also run the Source Bulk Foods here in Singapore. So that's kind of where I get to talk to people in person about things to eat and the fun foods that we can, we can all eat <laughs> for their health. Awesome. What specifically is a functional nutritionist versus just a nutritionist? So I guess functional nutrition, we kind of look at the lifestyle of the client as a whole. So it's not just the food that they're eating. Um, It's not just the exercise they're doing. It's the stress. It's whatever else is going on in their life. Are they a parent? Um, Do they have work struggles? Um, Are they taking care of other people? How is that affecting their health on top of the way that they're eating, um, the way that they're moving as well? So kind of looking big picture, how do we support their body as a whole in terms of the different organ systems instead of targeting one specific symptom? Like how do we find the root um, uh, of, of the cause? Okay. Very cool. I love that. And it's like, to me and the things that I've learned, it makes sense that you would cover all of that as a nutritionist, but it does all get overlooked a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think for the general population, when people think about nutrition, it's just what do I eat and what do I not eat? What's good and what's bad? Um, and for the most part, it's what do I eat or not eat to lose weight? So um, it's my role is more teaching people about the role that food can play in your health, but how do we support it as well in terms of your lifestyle? because you can have the best diet in the world, but if you don't fix what's going on in your head and everything else that is in your life to balance it out, then food's not going to do much for you. So true. Let's start with lifestyle stuff first. Um, Majority of people now live in a very, I guess probably for the past decade, in a very high stress, low sleep environment. What impacts do those have on, on us when it comes to like weight loss, hormonal changes, you know, just overall health? Like what does this, that sleep deprivation, increased stress really do to our bodies? Mm -hmm. So 
when you are stressed out um, and stress is a huge umbrella topic, overarching thing. So stress can come anywhere from your emotional stress, physical stress, if you are injured or if you are very, very active, um, if you're not sleeping enough, as you said, and that all increases cortisol, which is your stress hormone. Um, and when that happens, your body kind of goes into overdrive and it goes into what we call the fight or flight mode um, or survival mode. And so when when your body goes into survival mode, um, all it wants to do is keep you alive. So if we think about way back when in the paleo era, a lion's chasing us through the desert, that's the same response that we get, that our body has when we are going through stressful situations. So it prioritizes um, things, systems that we need, and it shuts down systems that we don't necessarily need at that time. Um, so what we don't need when we're stressed out is to reproduce because our body thinks that we're in danger. So you were mentioning hormones. Um, it's going to shut down your reproductive hormones for your sex hormones. Um, for women, this can look like um, irregular or loss of menstrual cycles. Um, for men, this can be low testosterone. Um, and that all leads to, you know, low, low drive, low motivation. Um, lack of the ability to build muscle if you're active in the gym, those kinds of things. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you're not sleeping, that's a huge, huge part of your lifestyle that you're missing out on that you can, you know, use to optimize your health because you're not giving your body that time to rest and recover as well. What's really interesting about that, especially when we're talking about men, I know you do mostly with women, but when we're talking about men is we see low T so prevalently diagnosed and naturally they're just do hormone replacement through injections or topicals either way. But then like no one looks at that lifestyle aspect to be like, what are you doing or not doing in your daily life that's contributing to this issue? Mm -hmm. I mean, like we all want to just find the easy fix, right? So if we can just get HRT or hormone replacement or just put a cream, slap it on and it'll fix something or at least make me feel better for two minutes, then that's a lot easier than, you know, overhauling my whole lifestyle, which is going to take months, even if it is better for the long term. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, it's always about the quick fix or it's often about the quick fix with people. Talking about the women's cycle a little bit, you kind of mentioned it with um, sleep and stress, but I'm curious when it comes to training, is there like, I don't want to say any, like you shouldn't ever train during like a certain part of your cycle. Cause we want to stay active regardless, but is there a period that maybe women should take it down a notch during that cycle, or maybe just expect you might feel a little more fatigued during certain days of your cycle? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the week leading up to your period. Um, so your cycle starts. So day one starts when you start bleeding as a woman. Um, so that week before your period, you probably start to feel a little bit lower energy, less motivation um, to work out. So those are the times where, you know, your body is trying to release things. <laughs> <laughs> It's Real. going to create a lot of tissue and blood from, you know, 
and, and, and it's preparing to do so. So it needs a lot more energy. Um, and you probably find yourself being a little bit more hungry at that time as well. Um, so it's expending energy. You probably don't want to be in the gym too much and that's completely fine. Like take it easy, take it slow. Um, but then once you start your period, day one might be a little bit difficult for some people. You might experience some cramps, um, some PMS symptoms. Um, you might be a little bit more tired, but day two to say day four, you'll probably find a spike in energy and strength. So that's as female strength athletes, you'll probably find that you're hitting PRs a little bit more, even while you're on your period, but during that the end of your, your period itself, um, the end of that week, uh, you'll find that you are a little bit stronger, um, and you can push a little bit harder. Um, the energy spike really comes in when, um, we are ovulating. So middle of your cycle. Um, so that's when our hormones are the highest and, and at their peak. So you can probably push high intensity exercise a little bit more then. Um, however, we find that um, the tendency to get injured is a little bit higher as well. Our joints are a little bit more flexible. Um, studies have shown that that's where females ha uh, get the most ACL injuries. So if you are playing those dynamic sports, just be a little bit more careful. If you're more of a strength athlete and you're just squatting and deadlifting, um, it's not too much of um, an injury risk, but you know, just realize that you are a little bit more hypermobile and just, take it easy on the high intensity, even if you are if feeling that energy surge. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the phases in our cycle. And then you'll go back um, again to, to your luteal phase. And that's, that's when you'll see the energy dip just before your period again. So work on PRs that first week. Got it. Yeah. Don't be afraid <laughs> of your period week. <laughs> I mean, like a lot of women are scared because they experience these symptoms and they're like, no, I can't work out or do anything because, you know, this conventional idea of like, I'm bleeding and therefore I'm, I should be like this damsel in distress. I can't do anything, but really you are going to be seriously strong during those, those, those first few days of your period. That's awesome. Talking about when we're kind of overstressing this system. I mean, this goes, I guess this goes into stress in general, but, um, talking about overtraining a little bit because we can, I will dive into under eating as well. But when we're talking about overtraining, like we're probably getting enough calories in us, but what we're doing to our bodies when we're at the gym is really counteracting all of those, you know, if you're eating healthy, all those good, healthy things you're putting in you anyway, what is the impact on the body itself with overtraining? Yeah, like I said, um, your body doesn't know the stress, the difference in stress from when you're being chased from a wild lion in the desert and from when you are working out really hard in the gym. For us, modern humans, in our minds, we think they're completely different, but our bodies haven't quite adapted um, or, or evolved to that stage to know what the difference is. So when you're pushing really hard, you're sweating, you're breathing hard, your body is in that stress, stressed out mode. And I know a lot of people go to the gym as quote unquote therapy or, you know, to get out of their heads. Um, and that's where they, 
they can kind of push, especially the high intensity ex exercise because it leaves them breathless. They don't have to think about anything else. Um, but your body thinks that it's being chased by a lion still. So <laughs> <laughs> it goes into that fight or flight mode and therefore we need it. We need to give it time to recover after that. Um, if you're lifting really heavy weights, your central nervous system or your CNS is going to get taxed. Um, that's the system that controls all the movements in your body. So if you are overtrained, you might find that you are not just lethargic, but your movements are a little bit off. Um, your balance is a little bit off. You might be walking into things a little bit more. I know I've done that before. <laughs> Start walking into walls and tables and... <laughs> You're just like, what is going on? But that's your CNS being taxed. It, it's, it can't really control your body's movements anymore. Um, and on top of that, you're probably not sleeping as well because you're just wired all the time. Um, again, that stress hormone cortisol is running through your body and it's keeping you awake just in case, you know, you need to fight for your life at some point. So, um, yeah overtraining can present itself in a lot of ways. Um, you might be more prone to injury as well. You probably are not as hungry and therefore not eating as much. And that starts a whole vicious cycle of not fueling your body with enough calories while you're still pushing really hard in the gym. When going into, so not so doing the opposite, but talking about, you know, not fueling yourself enough, I think a lot of people, and I actually just read a post on this um, that a friend and colleague of mine had put up earlier today about how, like, eating healthy because you're eating fruits, vegetables, but how underfueled we are because of that. And I think it's a big thing that people don't realize. Realize, like, you can have a huge salad, and as long as you aren't putting like a ton of salad dressing on it or you know a bunch of crap on it, like it may only be 300 calories because vegetables just don't hold that much. And so it's this, I think this vicious thing that happens that people don't realize that you're eating healthy, but it doesn't mean you're eating enough necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, as when I first started CrossFit a few years ago, I remember, you know, everyone wanted to be on the paleo diet and it was just, fruit, not even fruit, vegetables and meat, some fruit, nuts and seeds, right? Um, and we thought that that was what all the high level athletes were eating and fueling themselves with. But we would see all this burnout in the gym as well. Like, pe yes, people were losing weight. Yes, people were getting ripped and all that. But to what extent? Like, why were CrossFit athletes, um, why were their careers so short? I mean, we're not talking high level. This is just, you know, um, at the local level, but people were burning out so quickly. And if we look at the diet, yes, it's healthy. Yes, it's quote unquote clean. But as you said, we're not getting those calories. Vegetables are so low in calories. They're very high in micronutrients and you're getting the vitamins and minerals that you need. Um, but in terms of source of energy, it's very, very low. You're not getting enough carbohydrates to fuel those workouts, especially if you're pushing high intensity um, or heavy weights, you're not getting enough um, fats as well, which are your, your low, sorry, sustainable, low, uh, slow burning energy source. Um, 
if you're just having a handful of nuts um, every day. So um, yes, we can eat, we need to be conscious of the quality of our food, but at the same time, we as athletes need to choose um, sometimes lower volume, but higher calorie dense foods. This doesn't mean that you chow down on pizzas and cheeseburgers every night. <laughs> but things like rice, sweet potatoes, pasta, we need those things. Fruits as well. Some people are scared of fruit because they're high in sugar, um, quote unquote. But um, really, if you're very active, fruits can be a completely healthy part of your diet. It's got the fiber in there. It's got the vitamins in there. There's nothing wrong with adding some fruit in as well. Definitely. I think the other thing that happens too, is I talk to a lot of athletes who do track what they eat and, but they don't realize how much food they actually need. So they're eating, and these are active people training every day, eating like 12 to 1400 calories. And like, that's your like what your body needs to survive, <laughs> not to thrive. And I think that's where this disconnect happens as well as people think they can just eat really light and lose whatever weight they want to lose. Yeah. I think we have been indoctrinated by the media to think, especially as females to think that we have to stick to 12 to 1400 calories per day um, to lose weight or to be healthy, or this is what a woman should eat. When in reality, 1400 calories is what a three-year-old child should eat. <laughs> it's probably even less than what your body needs just to survive. Um, I think an active female, if you are working out, and this is not even an athlete, working out regularly three times a week, um, you're walking around, you're getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> um, I think the average female needs about 2000 calories a day. And I know a lot of women get really scared of that number because they think, but, but that's what a guy should eat or that's what my husband should eat. Like I can't eat that much. But if we look at people who have never really tracked their food or have never really given into diet culture, the diet mentality, if we look at the, the food that women are consuming, it's about that much. If, if they're just eating normally, you're, you're probably going to eat about that much. It's just when we get conscious about it and we start tracking them, we start choosing the lower calorie options, the higher volume options because of what we think we should be eating instead of what we actually should be eating for our health. Um, and if you are an active female, I think you should be bumping your calorie ups, calories up to 2,200 to 2,500 calories a day. Yeah. And if you're a guy who's active, it could be close to 3,000 calories a day. And those are some scary numbers for some people. Um, but the reality is your body actually needs that much food in order to thrive, as you said. And um, show some optimal performance in the gym to build muscle, to recover properly, um, to sleep properly, and just to have a healthy hormone cycle as well. Yeah. And for what it's worth for anyone listening, I like, I eat 2,600 calories a day on my single training days. And I up that if I train twice. So like, it's a lot of food, but I'm yeah. not gaining weight by any means. <laughs> like, 
and I perform well, I'm getting stronger. (laughs) Exactly. I was just in the past year, I've been working with a coach myself to bump up my calories to maintenance because past four or five years has just been, you know, really conscious about, oh, I shouldn't be eating that much. And what does diet culture tell me to eat? You know, how do I lose weight? So I was subsisting on 16, 1700 calories a day as, um, as a CrossFit athlete, as a powerlifting athlete and someone who's like running two businesses at the same time, like to think back on it, it's pretty crazy, but the past seven or eight months has been working to, you know, increase that calorie intake up to 2,500 shout out to my coach, Alex Macklin, but yeah, I mean, we got there and I didn't gain that much weight. Yeah. A little bit, maybe one or two kilos, but nothing major. I didn't suddenly become obese by adding rice back into my diet (laughs) or enjoying some chocolate a little bit more. And, you know, just being really conscious of how active um, I was being and making sure to fuel and really listening to what physical hunger feels like and not trying to suppress it all the time. I think we're so used, people live in this chronic state of dieting where it's normal to suppress hunger. We do these things to try to distract ourselves from the hunger signals. You drink more water, you go out for a walk, you chew gum, you know, you're eating like sugar-free mints all the time, um, that kind of thing. But if you really listen to what our hunger signals are like, um, you will learn to eat more food. You will realize that your energy levels are better. You will realize that you have more motivation to be more active and that's okay. Your body knows what it's doing. Yeah. It's really funny. There's times I will like brush my teeth, go lay in bed to read. And while I'm laying there, I'm like, I'm hungry and I need more food. <laughs> like I'll literally get up, eat a little bit and then go brush my teeth again. <laughs> yeah. We get like, these things of, oh, you shouldn't eat past 6 p.m. or after the sun sets, or you can't eat two hours before bed. But if you're hungry, you're hungry. Yeah. Like, you just got to eat sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, and I've learned, like, if I try to fight that, I wake up in the middle of the night starving and I can't fall back to sleep. So exactly, exactly. And people think like, it's normal to be cold in the middle of the night, wake up cold or wake up two, three times a night being hungry. And then they're just trying to go back to sleep all the time. That's not, that's not normal. Those are not normal symptoms that that is indication that your body needs more food. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break to talk about true nutrition. True nutrition is a supplement company and yes, they do have the prepackaged bulk type performance supplements that a lot of companies have. But what I absolutely love about them are their customized options. You can get protein powder with a wide variety of types of protein in it and choose what flavoring you want on it. And along with that, throw in some different boosts to maybe help decrease your inflammation or improve your endurance, improve your recovery, really make it for what you and your body needs. And not only performance, they also have healthy food options as well. You can customize smoothies and oatmeal to really be what you want. So it's a very quick and easy breakfast option or even on the go option. So check out everything that they have at truenutrition.com. And if you use code GYF, you can save 5% on your order. 
And you can also check out all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com partners. And now back to our conversation. I'm curious, since you've been going through this, getting yourself to be able to eat more food, what sort of emotional mental struggles did you go through through that process as you started seeing those bigger numbers that, that you had to t- intake? Yeah, I think this was kind of a four year journey. Um, so it started when I lost my period um, for four years and it took a lot of convincing and (laughs) debating with myself and other people as to why that was happening. I was pretty much in denial of the fact that I was training way too hard and not eating enough. Um, So it really started with cutting back on the training. I I stopped, I had to stop doing CrossFit at least competitively um, for a year or so. And, And ever since 20, 17, I haven't really done as much CrossFit. Um, I switched it more towards, you know, powerlifting, functional bodybuilding. So really lowering the intensity of my workouts. And that in itself was hard because I tied my identity to being a athlete. Um, I was, I was in sports growing up my whole life. Um, and I wanted to compete all the time really having to step away from competitions and training with purpose and a goal all the time was, was tough. Um, so really wrapping my, my head around that. And then the next step was having to eat more calories. So, which was another scary thing because obviously we are always told that if you eat more, you're going to gain weight calories in calories out that kind of thing um so it took a lot of trial and error i would jump on and off certain diet plans meal plans um things that say instagram influencers or athletes on instagram would be doing um because it seemed like they were living a really healthy life. And so if I did what they did, um, I should get there as well. Um, But I didn't realize that everyone is individual. Everyone's unique. Our bodies don't work quite the same way. And what they are portraying on social media is probably quite far from the truth as well as to what they're actually eating. Um, So it was a lot of... um, discovery and experiments of how my body reacted. Um, I kind of got there on my own, adding more food, just being like, screw it, I'm just gonna eat now. Um, But then there was always this little fear at the back of my head, a little voice that said, you know, oh, maybe you shouldn't eat that much. Maybe you don't wanna choose that. Maybe let's go back to the way we we were eating before because that kind of got our body weight down and made us a little bit smaller. Like, don't you want that? That kind of thing. Um, so it's always, it's always this daily struggle. And even now there's, there's still that struggle, but when I went all in and decided, you know, I need, I need someone to keep me accountable. And that's when I said, I need a coach, even though I coach people and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's, it's harder when you're your own coach. And you're trying to motivate yourself whilst battling with the demons that 
have been there for years. Um, so I, I started working with a coach and he basically threw all numbers out the window and said, just eat. <laughs> you just got to eat. We're not looking at any numbers. We're not stepping on the scale. We're not looking at any measurements right now. We won't know. Oh, you won't know what you're eating. Um, just listen to your body. If you're hungry, eat. If you're not, don't eat. Um, and just learning how to trust my body and eat the foods that I felt um, were serving me. And that was, that was a huge hurdle to overcome. Um, it took a lot of, you know, little challenges. Maybe I try gluten-free bread this week. Maybe I try having a pizza the next week and me and my friend would have these weekly carb challenges because she was going through the same thing. We're like, we're going to choose one carb <laughs> to have this week and we're just going to go, we're just going to have fun with it and we're going to enjoy it. So I think um, really taking notes of how you feel around eating those fear foods or foods that you might be um, uncertain about, um, tracking how they make you feel mentally, how they make you feel physically, um, that can really help, you know, remove the emotional side around, around food. So that was kind of the, the whole mental journey I went through. And now I'm in a much better place where, you know, I know the foods that make me feel good. I know the foods that help me perform better. Um, and I know that I'm not just going to suddenly wake up 10 pounds heavier just because I had, you know, a piece of chocolate cake the night before. Yeah. So it, it takes a while. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but really trying to be objective about um, the foods that you eat, what the foods can do for your body um, that can kind of remove the emotional side of things. Awesome. And I, it's such a good idea to track and not only for the purpose of recording calories, but just really figuring out how your body responds to it. Cause if you want to be a better athlete, like you can make sure you're eating those foods prior to a competition or a hard workout or something. And it can just be so helpful to, to do that. And like, it's really funny. Cause I rarely will have, I really don't rarely eat things that aren't good for my body, but partially because of that whole reason of like, it makes me feel like crap. <laughs> like if I eat crap, I feel like crap. So let's just not do that to myself. I mean, I have friends who are like, oh, you know, um, we get conscious when we eat around you because you don't eat junk food or don't eat fast food kind of thing. I'm like, it's not that I don't really like it. I mean, it's always going to taste good, but I just feel sick when I eat it. And that's why I choose not to eat it. I mean, I'm not going to judge you if you do eat it, if you choose to eat it, there is no judgment. I'll, I'll still hang out with you, <laughs> but it just doesn't make me feel good. And I don't want to go through like five hours of stomach pain after that and, you know, not be able to do the things I want to do. But if it makes you feel fine, then power, more power to you. I mean, go. go for it. What did you notice performance wise when you started eating more? 
definitely had more energy level, uh, my higher energy levels. Um, I was able to, I wasn't hitting a wall during training. Um, I just felt overall stronger. And I was just talking to my coach about this last night. Like my body has changed. Um, and I actually feel like I look like I lift now, <laughs> which is funny because I was competitive for so long and I was always chasing this, this body type or at least like trying to build muscle, but because I wasn't eating enough and I was just pushing so much um, in, uh, in, in the gym and in other areas of my life, like my body was just not in a place to be building muscle and be, I was getting stronger, but that's probably because of CNS adaptations. I mean, you still, you will get stronger if you continue to push, but you know, your body might not reflect that. And now I feel like now that I'm eating more food, I'm able to build muscle. I'm able to, you know, actually get stronger and see the gains on a weekly basis, um, rather than trying like sitting there and praying that I will get stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping does not get us anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I hope I will hit a PR today, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you see that progress with that increased calories for sure. Yeah. And people don't realize it until they go through the journey, I think. Um, until they start eating more and they're like, oh, shoot, I actually feel good. I actually know what it's like to feel good now. <laughs> yeah. Because if living in this chronic state of, you know, being tired or not, or being sleep deprived or, you know, having low motivation for so long, it becomes the normal. Um, and until they make those changes, they don't see the positive side effects of it. Yeah, definitely. It's always fun to see for me as a coach too, just the, like, well, the deer in the headlights look is always entertaining when you tell them that they need to eat more, but then to see the results or to hear the results from them of what they're noticing and feeling is, is really fun to see. Yeah. And I, that's when that light bulb goes off and they're like, okay, I trust you now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. When talking about and you can go any direction with this, whether it's nutrition or training, but what are some of the common errors? I don't know if error is the right word, but the common things that you see that just people that you need to correct with people. Um, if we're talking about nutrition, I mean, I, I predominantly work with women. So first of all, they're not eating enough. Second, they think that eating protein is going to make them bulky. I'm just going to like debunk all the nutrition myths. right now. <laughs> I love it. I have a whole podcast series on debunking myths. So you can, yep. all I, I looked to all of those and I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. So pr eating protein is not going to make you bulky. Your body needs protein to do its daily functions. It's it needs to rebuild tissues that are not just your muscle tissues. Um, so you need that high quality protein in your diet and you need enough of it um, to work towards optimal health. Um, people are scared of carbs. People are scared of all the macronutrients, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is very 
very true because they don't want to eat fats. They don't want to eat carbs. Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Carbs are an energy source, especially if you're very active. Um, You need carbohydrates. And I know there's debates on what, which carbs are better. Um, Yes. Complex carbohydrates, things like sweet potatoes, normal potatoes as well. Um, Rice. Um, if you can, if you can tolerate bread, that's fine. Pasta is fine. Um, you need those in your diet and it's not just fruits and veggies that you should be, um, surviving on. Yes, you need those as well. Um, you need the micronutrients from those, but you also need the, the starchy carbs, um, for energy and, fats as well. Um, we need healthy sources of fats in our diets, added, added fats, um, in order for our hormones to regulate because our hormones are built on fat, um, cholesterol, especially. I know a lot of people are trying to avoid things that are high in cholesterol, um, things like egg yolks and seafood and red meat, um, because they think it's going to increase the risk of heart disease. When in reality, it's not the cholesterol that you eat that ends up in your blood. Um, Studies have shown that it's other vitamin deficiencies that cause heart disease, it's stress, it's an overconsumption of sugar and processed carbohydrates, it's the overconsumption of um, trans fats and unhealthy fats, um, hydrogenated fats, like vegetable oils and all that, that, that causes the heart disease. And it's, it's the compounding effect of all those lifestyle factors, um, that result in high cholesterol in the blood. So eating your eggs, eating your egg yolks is not a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think, overall people are just trying to listen too much to what these influencers have to say and quote unquote experts on social media are trying to say and trying to sell them and they tune out of what their body is actually telling them um they tune out and veer away from their culture their own culture and cultural heritage and what their ancestors were eating i mean for me, uh, for years, I was avoiding things like Asian food because people were deeming it as unhealthy. When in reality, like my body thrives on that kind of food because that's what my ancestors were eating. So like, go back to your heritage and embrace it and eat the foods that your grandma cooks because that's what's going to make you feel good, um, most likely. Um so yeah, those are, those are the things I see. And of course, there's always those food rules around, like, as I, as we mentioned before, you can't eat past a certain time or you have to intermittent fast or you have to go keto, you have to go carnivore in order to be healthy. So all those, all those fad diets really is what I see um, as the pitfalls of most people's um, attempts at, at good nutrition. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the not eating, and maybe this is just because I eat late before I go to bed. I'm like, that's the one that always cracks me up is that you shouldn't eat before, like past a certain time of night. It's like, well, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I understand it maybe from the circadian rhythm standpoint, but if it's going to help you fall asleep, then 
by all means, please go eat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, having to wait until a certain time in the morning to eat. Um, Intermittent fasting. I mean, I see a lot of women trying IF as an attempt to lose weight. Um, But then they end up wrecking their hormones because they're putting so much stress on their body. They're stressing out about, oh, I can't eat until 11 o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the afternoon. um, And I've only got the six hour window to eat my food. And I can't eat enough calories, but the internet says that, you know, in order for me to be healthy and lose the weight, like I have to stick within this window. So you put this physical stress, which is not eating enough and suppressing your body's hunger signals, top it off with the emotional stress of like, I don't know when to eat or I can't eat and I've got to eat this healthy food. I can't have that unhealthy food, blah, 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 plus whatever else is going on in your life. And you end up being less healthy than you were to begin with. Like, so I understand there are some like systemic reasons on kind of resetting things and why you like intermittent fasting can be helpful. But when people are doing it for weight loss and like rave about it in my head, all I can think of is there's no way you can eat the calories your body needs in that short amount of time. So of course you're going to lose weight. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's why every single diet works for a short period of time, at least. Yeah. Um, it's because you're in a caloric deficit. You, you're intermittent fasting. As you said, you can't eat what your body needs in that short period of or short window of time. If you're on keto, you're cutting out a bunch of carbohydrates. Um, you're practically just eating like meat and some fats. So you're probably in a caloric deficit as well. And fats are satiating protein is satiating. So you're going to be feeling fuller for longer and therefore eating less. If you go vegan, you're cutting out a lot of red meat. Meat is higher in calories than vegetables are plant-based sources of protein. So again, you're cutting calories to an extent. Um, So yeah, I mean, people try these things or ways of eating. And of course there are some health benefits um, to certain individuals who who go on these um, diets, but for general population, they're just doing it to lose weight and they lose weight um, in the beginning because one, they're dropping water weight probably, um, especially if they're doing things like keto and two, they're in a caloric deficit. So they're eating less and therefore they're gonna lose weight. But you can do that by just eating normally and just eating less food throughout the day. (laughs) (laughs) Not to dive into the whether keto is good or bad debate, but just talking keto um, what, cause I know, I should say, I know from what I've read is it's not great for women long-term because it messes with hormones. What specifically does it do hormonally to women? So for the most part, I know that some women do thrive on keto. Um, but for the most part, women need more carbohydrates than men. Um, it's just the way that our bodies function. Um, our thyroids thrive um, on carbs a little bit more, and our hormones are much more sensitive to male hormones. So, we think about it: female hormones run on a 28-day cycle on average. Male hormones run on a 24-hour cycle, so they can reset the next day. Whereas we feel the stresses on our body or stressors from two, three months before. 
So if you were super stressed, um, say in January, you probably won't see that the repercussions in your cycle until March or April. So that's interesting. mm -hmm. (laughs) It takes a while for our bodies to realize what's going on. (laughs) Unfortunately, there is a lag time. (laughs) That's Um, really interesting to think about. Yep. So it's not, it's not just going to happen the next cycle. Um, because your hormones are constantly changing and, and, and adapting to what's going on. Um, and yeah, going back to the idea that, that our hormones are much more sensitive, we probably won't realize the effects of being in a caloric deficit, um, as quickly as guys will, um, carbohydrates help us with the stress response as well. So it kind of calms our nervous system down. And there's certain parts of our cycles where we need more carbs. So women can go on keto, but I would suggest that they cater it to um, their cycles. So different parts of their cycles, they might need a little bit more carbohydrates. Um, They're a little bit more insulin sensitive, um, whereas other times they're a little bit more insulin resistant. And you just kind of got to play around with your carb intake at that point, but going full carnivore or hardcore keto where you're only eating 5% of carbs, um, that can be really detrimental on your hormones as well. It's mostly thyroid function that, that is affecting it. I think there's a lot to like your body knows what it needs. And like, yes, you may crave the chocolate, but there's probably a nutrient dense or like you're lacking some sort of nutrient and that's why. Um, but I know for me, like I tend to do more fats and carbs just cause that's how I perform better. But there is like that period during my cycle of like this, like three day period where I just crave more carbs. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you just listen to it. You adapt it. Telling you what it needs yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, if you're craving chocolate, you're probably needing some magnesium if you're craving dark chocolates. Um, yes, you probably need the carbs <laughs> if you're craving carbs. Um, so yeah, I think, I believe that we are, we actually need more carbs to leaning towards ovulation rather than leading up to our cycles. Even though we crave the carbs, um, you know, that week before, a week before a cycle, we crave all the carbs and all the chocolate, but I think that's just our body needing more energy in general. But, um, yeah, we are, the women's bodies need more carbohydrates, um, or can accept more carbohydrates, um, leading up to ovulation. So middle of our cycle. Okay. That makes sense. Awesome. Well, Sarah, you have shared some great information with us today. If someone has more questions for you or just wants to reach out to you directly, find what you do, how can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at the nourished underscore co. Um, so that's my coaching business. I put out some information on there around, you know, nutrition, especially around women's health. Um, and I talk a lot about healing your relationship with food, um, things around gut health as well. So if you've got any questions, send me a message on there. Um, my website is thenourish.co as well. Um, and if you're in Singapore, check out the source bulk foods. Um, 
I'm always in the stores as well. So if you want to come talk to me about food, I'm there. Um, have some chocolates as well. I won't judge you. I promise. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brianne. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.